Welcome to Locker and Beekeepers, Bee Talk, episode two. We have with us in the studio myself, Killian Blount, and Joe Blount. But we're also privileged to talk to Thomas Ellis, the founder of Donegal Bees. Welcome, Thomas. Nice to see you today. Thank you, guys, and thank you for inviting me. Nice to have you with us this evening. So we thought we'd just have a little chat with you, Thomas, get to know you a little bit, and then we'll ask you a little bit about Donegal Bees. I assume you're a beekeeper yourself. I am indeed, and that's how I got into it. It was a pastime to actually get away from day-to-day life, and it took over. You know, it was quite the opposite. It went from a hobby to passion to full-time job. You know, it fairly changed in a few years. Yeah, people always ask us, do we get stung much? And our reply is always, we, we got stung, but by the beekeeping bug, <laughs> it definitely <laughs> takes over. How did you yeah, start yourself? I'm a carpenter by trade and I came home from Dublin. I worked for the likes of Roadstone and Kingspan, companies like that, and would have run workshops for those guys. And uh, I came home, set up my own workshop, and I was doing some craft furniture, like high-end furniture, naturally sliced from the tree, timber that would be finished into seats or garden furniture, anything you really wanted, down to beds and bedside lockers. But as the recession kicked in, that fairly dried up fairly quick, you know. But we had some neighbours that were keeping bees and all, and they asked me to make a few hives for them. So after I made the second hive, I was getting more and more curious as to how they worked. And I, I, the bug started there as such, right. you know. The, the third hive I actually made was for myself, and the fourth right. fifth was for myself as well, and that's the way yeah. it went. And they were CDB hives they were making, were they? All CDB hives. Why did you make that choice over the, the other alternatives? It's kind of gas. At the time, I wasn't online in any shape or form. I stay away from online as much as possible in some ways. I, I don't know why, like I'm here now talking, but it's part of my past, like I'd be dyslexic and all. So things like internet and all never came to me that easy at the time. But when I started looking at it and beekeeping and all, I just I thought it was very interesting. And I just couldn't help but be drawn into it and yeah. the world of beekeeping. Well, that's where it came from. It's the only hive we had ever used in Glencombe Kill. Between myself and a few neighbours, there'd be over 70 CDBs in the valley. Sorry, are you still using those today? Yes, still using those today. Wow. I remember, like, when I started off, I didn't even know what a national was. Never even had seen a national. I was two years beekeeping before I saw the first national. And I remember looking at it going, how's this meant to keep out water? And I was scratching my head going, what's going to stop this blowing away in the back of Donegal here? Like, because we're in a stormy area at the best of times. And I'm looking at this hive going, what's going on? This isn't what I'm used to, you know, the first national. Whilst they took the same brood frames in the brood chamber outside of that, I didn't actually know much about the supers because I had always produced section on it. So I was looking at these supers going, how do we extract these? Uh, It was very new to me at that stage, uh, national hives. Yeah. And uh, the first national hive that came in, it was a neighbour, Johnny, that actually bought it. And by the time it, uh, I had it finished with them put together, it looked like a CDB because I had waterproof the edge and everywhere to, for our climate and our area, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd done some research on the CDB hives and I mean, they were designed for the Irish climate, weren't they? Yes, yes. By the Congested District Board and uh, a lot of that history is actually lost as well. The Congested District Board was originally set up in 1894 to help tenant farmers and all subsidise their income and make life a little easier for them. 
like uh, throughout Donegal, they created like the carpet industries and Kelly Deggs and all that are still here today and carpet factories in Kilcar that would have made carpets for the likes of Buckingham Palace and places like that in the past here in Donegal. Wow. Yeah. Most of the small piers and ports that's actually dotted around the uh, west of Ireland, the Congestic District Board funded and helped yeah. out for fishermen. Yeah. Like beekeeping, they even done it in parts of Scotland. Like the TDB is actually used in parts of Scotland as well. Yeah. You know, and it was designed because it is the original Irish hive. Exactly. Right. I know um, in 1949, for the, at least within the Ulster Beekeepers Association, there were um, 16,000 CDB hives in circulation. So, we're, yeah, we'd be big fans of that and the history of that. That's So, we were delighted when we read, you were reading a bio on yourself that you started off and still use the CDB. CDB, yeah. I think it's hard to imagine, but we were one of the biggest exporters of honey in the world. Yeah, like yes, we yeah. exported honey to India and all over, you know, back in the day as such. Like part of that was probably at the time we couldn't afford to buy our own product in some ways. <laughs> you know, as times have changed so much. But to think now that there's so much honey imported and we can't produce enough for ourselves, it's, it's quite the turnaround, you know, in what, 70 years or so, 70, 80 years. It's yeah. just some turnaround when you look at it. Yeah, you're right. It's a history that's not talked about, maybe not lost, but not talked about. And maybe if it was, maybe we would have more interest and more... More people starting. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. In this area here, we have the Reverend Joseph Diggs, uh, regarded as the father of RGB keeping. Yeah. The story about him going around the country promoting the CDB hives, it's it's lost, really. We should be pushing. Yeah. I don't know if you have done anything on the history of Carlock O'Brien. Yes. yes, Sherlock, fantastic. The guy in the bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. uh, if you even read his books and his logs and all, going to different farmers, like locally in Carrick there, he went to a, a Dr. Cunningham, who actually I met his great-great-granddaughter at a, at a conference in Dublin two years ago. And it was lovely just, you know, to make that connection. Like yeah. and uh, she knew of it, but she didn't actually know that there was a record of her grandfather. She told me about her grandfather, and I said, "Was he a doctor and all?" And it was taken from there, you know. Yeah. It's the little things that make it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and now, what's your most popular hive that you would sell? Would it be the national? Hands down, the national hive. Right. Yeah. Hands down, the national hive. We produce well over two thousand complete hives a year, wow. uh, and just wooden alone. Polystyrene is probably close to 1,500 polystyrene hives a year. And that's mainly the Irish market that's going for that. Yeah. Commercial would be much smaller, the CDB and the Langstroth. And we do sell some worries, but not on any scale compared to the rest. Yeah, yeah. And do you find that there's more and more people starting beekeeping now? Is it getting more popular? Last year was no, but uh, other years, yes. Last year was found with COVID and all that. The main thing that drove our business was that experienced beekeepers were actually at home and getting a chance to work their colonies, whereas normally they'd be working and they'd be missing out in swarms or not getting time to do swarm management control properly. Last year, because they were at home a little bit more and they had that little bit more freedom, there was better beekeeping in the country because of it and there was a lot more equipment going out and colony numbers rose accordingly, I believe. Yeah, we increased our colonies last year, but we didn't get a lot of honey last year. It was a very bad year for us here for honey production. Yeah, the same all over now. We found it at the end of the year that 
extractor shields and things were down and you can tell these things uh, how they actually fall because wasn't as many darts or things like that going out for ourselves that normally would be over years yeah. yeah. How do you take the leap then from making CDB hives in your garage to where you are today with Donegal bees? I, I really don't know in some ways. I remember sitting down at the time and talking about setting up Donegal bees and what was my aim, you know. And at the time, I had a five year plan and I said, if I'm going to start this, I'm going to give it everything I have for five years and see where it sits. Like, so that was January the 26th, 2013. That's when Donegal B started. And at the time, I was buying an equipment from England. And I remember the first few boxes that arrived. I had a stairs in the workshop and they tucked under the stairs. And we built the website and we started the website with 69 products. I think 60 of those I was making myself and nine of them were buying. And now we have something like 850 different products. Wow, and we, we sort over a hundred other different products for beekeepers that we wouldn't ordinarily advertise. But this is what we directly sell in our catalogue and advertise. Your catalogue is excellent and extensive. And there's yeah. everything that you would need. We aim to build on that every year. And for us, as much as any, we want to get more information to beekeepers. So it's all about getting better product descriptions and getting time to actually get them written and get better product descriptions into the catalogue. So it makes it easier for beginners and anybody starting off. Like a simple thing that most suppliers haven't copped on, but I'm sure they will now, is every year we do a catalogue in a different colour. Last year, our queens was blue, so our catalogue was blue. This year, it's a white queen, so it's going to be a white catalogue. Every year we do a catalogue according to the the queen marking. So it makes it easier for beginners picking up the catalogue. Associations out there are starting to realise now that, okay, if they're holding a catalogue, it's easier for a beginner to identify what colour they need. Little things like that. You know, we started it off and we haven't seen any other suppliers following that trend yet, but I'm sure it'll come in time, you know. It'll make it easier for beekeepers, just we we chuckle things like that that you wouldn't see. Little things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do a wax exchange as well? We do wax exchange. The first talk of Brexit that made me set up, we, we thought about what we were actually doing and how isolated we were as a country because there was only three machines, service in England and Ireland, and all three machines are in England. Right. I made the conscious decision at the time to buy the wax machine. Now, there's a two-year waiting list on one of those machines, but it actually turned out to be two and a half years before the machine arrived. That's actually in Glencombe now producing wax. It's running seamless. It's lovely to see it. But it means as a country now, we are not dependent, even with Brexit, we're not caught where we don't know whether we're going to get access to wax or not. Yeah. And by luck, when the German came in, Michael, to install the machine, it's a German-built machine. They are actually the first guys to actually streamline making beeswax. It's the fathers of beekeeping, as such as I say to them, because they were the first to actually do beeswax sheets. My great-grandfather was the first to build the first machine. Okay. So we bought a machine off them, and when they were in installing the machine, he got a phone call from Switzerland of a guy that was retiring and selling a second-hand machine. So I happened to be sitting there uh, having lunch with the guy, and uh, over the table we'd done the deal and we bought in the second machine. So we have now two machines sitting in Glencolm Hill. Now there's only one producing wax at the moment, but within the next three to four weeks, the second machine will have the last parts from Germany and she will be fully up and running. Right. Are you getting enough wax from the beekeepers? We do struggle at times. I'm quite lucky. 
from the day I spoke about buying the machine, I started hoarding wax. So I've been doing wax exchange now over four years. I had it sitting there filtered in blocks waiting for the machine to come in. So I have quite a large stock of it there at the moment. You see beekeepers breaking off, brace comer, queen cells, and they're flicking them away into the bushes. And I'm like, no, that's yeah. good wax. Please save it. The only yeah. place to get it is direct from beekeepers. You can buy in wax from other countries, but you don't know what you're buying. To buy Irish wax is by far the best. We use less chemicals and we don't power land the way they do in other countries. But there's less chemicals put into our ground and into our flowers and all than anywhere else out there. So our wax is generally cleaner than any other countries. Africa and a few of those aside. I suppose it's the reality of Brexit and shipping costs and customs and all the rest hits home for people. I'm sure you'll see an uptick in the adoption of the wax exchange for yourself. Do you find Brexit has affected you in other ways? Uh, yes, it has affected us in some ways. We were doing quite a bit of business within England and even DPD have stopped shipping at the moment to England. Yeah. We're trying to source another company that can ship. So our UK customers were struggling to get orders to them at the moment. We're using the likes of Anpost and all to get it out, which drives up cost for the end user because Anpost rates to England and all aren't that competitive compared to what DPD would be. On the other hand, the Irish business at the Irish end of it is uh, skyrocketing it's uh, gotten extremely busy because Irish beekeepers aren't tending to buy now from England they're buying Irish now which is helping everybody I believe yeah it's not a bad thing no I, I don't see it as a bad thing at all like okay it's going to take a little while to get rounded we source a lot of our frames and things direct from Europe and some ways I've always felt most Irish suppliers are buying English frames and all and it's great the quality is there and all but the price is way too high we can sell a pack of frames for 13 euro, I think it is now. And the average pack of frames in this country is 20 to 22 euro upwards. It's a lot different, you know. But it really comes down to the beekeepers as well. What we find is the more beekeepers that buy from us, bigger quantities we take in our product and it drives down price then because we can actually buy cheaper from our suppliers and we pass it on to the end user. Fantastic. Yeah. This last year, have you missed the fairs and the festivals? Yeah, like, yeah, like I miss them. I do one simple one. It sits in the front of the van and it doesn't get used now. Uh, that's yeah. the hat, yeah. That's the hat. Everybody knows me for the hat and I don't get to use it now, you know. And it's great like to meet you face to face and have that chat with the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's all about. Like, it's not all about sales. It's getting to know people, know who you're dealing with at the other end of the phone and meeting the likes of yourselves and seeing what you guys are doing. Like, some of the stuff I've come across at fairs and events and all that people were making themselves and all and saying, here, can we do anything on that? And behind the scenes, yeah. we work with the guys and try and get something to market, you know? And a lot of that happens. And You go to the shows, you're away for a few days, you're displaying your products, you're chatting to people, you, you're just touching base with your customers and friends, yeah. a lot of friends out there, you know? Yeah, we've definitely felt the loss of it, for sure. But as you said, it's, it's an opportunity to back to your own basics, take real care of your own hives. And for us, we've been able to, to kind of do classes with people and yeah. get ready the next generation of beekeepers. Yeah, We have to say that the we're doing the online courses now and they've really taken off. The interest is there. Mm. Whilst it is there, it should be worked upon. I saw when I started off, we were buying out England because we didn't realise that there was Irish suppliers were so isolated. Some of the guys that were teaching me at the time didn't even realise there was Irish suppliers selling beekeeping equipment. It was always and always had been bought from England. I started looking at the Irish market when I was looking at building Donegal. We were looking at the price of some of the starter packs. And at the time, like, 
just for a basic starter pack for somebody to start off without bees was over 500 euro. It was an expensive hobby and it is an expensive hobby, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we took that down inside eight years to a starter pack for 270 euro. Every other country has been driven up in price and beekeeping equipment were one of the few that's actually driven down in pricing. I get the blame for that and I'm kind of proud of that in some ways, you know, because the more affordable it is for beekeepers, the more beekeepers that actually come into it because it's affordable for everybody. Yeah. There was a guy who had a little shop years ago locally in Glencontkill, Melvin Maxwell, and he used to sell some beekeeping equipment himself. Anybody that ever came to Melvin and asked him about it, Melvin always said it's a rich man's hobby. <laughs> I always thought it was a nice one, you know, that if anybody asked you locally that had asked Melvin, they'd always have said that it was a rich man's hobby. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's nice to know that the prices, some of those things have come down and it's not always going up. Like for ourselves as a company, the larger bulk we can buy in, the more we drive down the price, but the more affordable it is for the likes of yourselves. And that's very important because to me, yeah. the more highs is out there, the better it is for everybody, the solider it is for everybody. Yeah. Get back to those former days of glory. Where we're yeah. Yeah. Working, uh, lots and lots of honey. Yeah. And another question for you. Are you still keeping bees or is the business yes, yes. away from that? No, I'm still keeping bees, but unfortunately, I don't get to look at them the way everybody else does. The way we've always managed our bees was always more natural. We want our bees to swarm. Everybody else is trying to prevent it. I want them to swarm because the fresh swarm is always hungrier for building sections. If I can get a fresh swarm into a hive, they will build sections quicker than an established hive. Okay, yeah. Don't ask me why or what, but uh, it works every time. So whilst the rest of the country is trying to prevent swarming, I'm like, get swarming out of the way, please. I want fresh colonies in there for good sex. They're hungrier for it. That's about yeah, the best yeah. I can tell you on it. Uh, so we never really were good on swarm control. We never felt the need. Even during the day now, when a swarming season comes in, from half 12 until half one, two o'clock, you will definitely not get me any day because I'll be going down through the fields checking my own hives and that's just the way it is unfortunately uh, they have to be looked after and gone through when i started off everything was section honey and even yet locally the traditions are all old traditions of section honey and putting a swarm in the front entrance like we would never take a swarm into a box in our life hence the entrance open a little wider we set out the flight board we put down our sheets we dump the swarm onto the sheet it falls back down, we'd use a bush or a shovel or anything behind, and we would let the swarm climb up onto the hive. We yeah. find way more success. It's all traditional methods like that. So it wasn't really a choice at the time. Like it's If I was going to be taught, it was on a CDB because that's what we were making. And I didn't really know the world of nationals or commercials, Langstroths or anything outside of that. You know, the more I got into it, and even launching Donegal Bees, I considered not even using the National Hive as a product because I wanted to focus on CDB hives at the time. And I wanted to focus more on traditional methods. Right. And day to day, what, how would you use the Section 20? The, a lot of people main, would be familiar. Mainly now, most of the Section Honey for ourselves would be sold at markets or in shops and all. But you do end up at times within perfect home and all that we would use here ourselves. It goes into the porridge the same way with the wax. We find there's as much goodness in the wax as there is in the honey. And people forget oh, that. Yeah, like, yeah. The benefits of the wax, yeah. like 
that goes more work into creating wax than there does honey. There's two and a half times the work creating wax as honey. You know, so building that fresh yeah. comb every time and coming back to it, uh, it's just slower for our bees. At two and a half times, we could have two and a half times the crop of honey again going well as we would mm. in comb honey. So unfortunately, comb honey in so many ways is undervalued because of the benefits of yeah. the wax Very and well, the honey. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it is like so a dry tune gum in the mouth. <laughs> you know, uh, for anybody just... that eats it, it is like dry tune gum, you know, after the while, like that's what you feel like you're chewing on. But there is as much benefits yeah. in it. And the health benefits of wax and all, you know, uh, is lovely. We have launched uh, Irish wildflower there. We launched it at the beginning of December. So it's all hand-rolled beeswax candles. We officially launched it in December, and the benefits within wax alone, like, is fantastic. Uh, along with a colleague of mine, Anya, she's done a lot of work behind the scenes on Irish wildflower, uh, mainly in American market. Some of it for the candles and all, and the benefits of beeswax candles. I don't quite like the smell of a beeswax candle and burning away in, at home. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. So I suppose we finish off usually just asking a question for someone thinking about taking up beekeeping or a brand new beekeeper. What advice would you have for them? Stick to the basics and not to overdo it and learn as much about the national hive before you start adapting or moving on to anything else. It's much easier to start with the national and you have much more support around you with nationals. And stick to the starter packs. It's a cheaper way of buying the equipment starting off. Nearly every starter pack includes everything you will need for the first year starting off. You don't need yeah. to buy extra tools or brushes or extra anything. Just enjoy it for what it is. Try not to spend too much. Like We would sometimes get people at shows that say in here we need five marking pens. And I says, you've got white for this year, for 2021. And I says, this year's going to come marked if you're buying your bees. So it's next year's colour you're going to want. And by the time you get to the fifth yeah. year, what's the odd that that pen's dried out? It's not always about having all this equipment. It's about sticking to the basics a little bit. Like the hat I was wearing a few minutes ago, I started off with that with a, a veil of a dress down over the hat. Tucked in round my neck. I slipped over a dress or a veil off a dress and that hat, I was beekeeping two years with that before I bought my first suit. So <laughs> times were tough now, to be honest. But, <laughs> but it, it is about sticking to the basics and just enjoying it for what it is. Learning as much as you can about the national. Because when you get a good understanding of the national and how your your bees actually work in that hive, it's so easy to start adapting and to learn other methods when you have a good solid basis on the ninety to ninety two percent of the country is using it. So you've always got support around you, and if you're stuck for a super yeah. brood chamber. It might be five, ten miles down the road, but when you need it on a Friday evening and I can't ship it to you, your neighbour's going to have that spare box for you because you've been using a national. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I love CDBs, but, you know, for the majority of the country at all that's using it like that, you know, sticking to the same equipment and keeping it right is, is the best in my eyes. And the other is not to get tied up. Yeah. A lot of beekeepers come to us within the first year looking to buy extractors and they want to start off with a four-frame manual extractor. They've got two hives and my advice to them most of the time is to go contact your association and borrow your association extractor. But you find when you're in beekeeping for three years, that's when you know, okay, in a six or eight colonies or where I'm actually going to be sitting instead of spending money on a four-frame extractor that's too small for you on the second year. You know, and the easiest thing for me is, as the business owner is to sell that four-frame extractor to the beekeeper, but it's it's not right, you know. It's about 
guiding the beekeeper, guiding them, starting off and making sure it's right for them. I have to say, any time that I've rang you or your staff um, for advice or help running, you've been more than willing and helpful, and, and I have to take my hat off to you. Good, thank you. It means a lot to us. That's uh, a little thing that's not common knowledge. I'm just going to dig it up here if I can find it. We were notified on Monday that we've won the EU Irish Business Enterprise Award 2021 Best Handcrafted Beekeeping Supply Store UK and Ireland. Most of that comes down to customer service and talking to beekeepers on the ground. Not all about selling or making it's, it's about getting it right for beekeepers well deserved it's lovely to get it we didn't even know there was awards out there for that uh, I'd like to thank whoever nominated us for it because I don't know who even nominated us for it but it's a lovely little thing to get you know great great that's great yeah that's good lovely well it's been fantastic talking to you I, I, we, we really appreciate you taking the time yeah thank you and thank if you there is talking. anything we can do for you let us know gentlemen thank you very much Thomas. Oh, right. take care and enjoy the weekend thank you bye bye